and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. Man, I'm, I love it when I'm echoing. Although, actually, you know, after millions of hours of editing, I'm kind of tired of my voice, but I'm sure a lot of other people are as well. But if you can't, and you're not tired of my voice, you can go ahead and get us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, also as well, if you can like, share, subscribe, do whatever you can to support what we do here at the Lakers Fast Break, it is truly appreciated. As independent podcasters, both myself, Raphael, and also Laker Tom is someone who puts out an independent publishing outlet known as Lakerholics.com. We would truly appreciate any support that you give all of our outlets. It was a great victory today for the Lakers. They just basically put it on cruise control after the first quarter all the way through. They just they really put down a, a great effort in that first quarter and actually that first half overall and just took off from there. 135 to 115, they put it on cruise control in the second half over the Portland Trailblazers to take a 3-1 game lead in the best of seven. So they're up three games to one. Kind of uh, concerned with uh, back spasms for AD, although we don't know how serious they were. He didn't look too serious because he looked kind of fine on the on the bench, even though he sat out most of the second half. Damian Lillard tweaked his knee, so that's still something that we're going to have to look at as well. And with me today to talk about all the variables for today's game, including as well for the day, day eight already in the NBA playoffs, are two of my good friends. First off, you got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at NBADraftJunkies.com. It's just a tremendous site indeed. And for everybody out there on Facebook Live, you are going about to witness some great, great amount of videos here when it comes to all the draft prospects that you're seeing right now. Look at that. Look at all these videos right there. So if you are an NBA draft junkie or if you're really into the NBA draft or you just want to know more about who you think your team might be interested in for the upcoming NBA draft, there is absolutely no better place to go than NBA draft junkies, which are about ready to hit over the 12,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. Plus also listen to his great show, NBA Draft Junkies on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. The Run the Floor podcast as well. Awesome because I was on it. I'm just so thankful to be part of that podcast. But also, you can go ahead and check out his awesome site, NBADraftJunkies.com. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, we'll get into you first, my friend, before we hit up Laker Tom. Not the way you wanted to go ahead and challenge on Kobe Bryant Day. Well, I mean, it's like you can't be too upset that, you know, the Lakers came out and they played inspired basketball and they just dominated from the start on on Kobe Bryant Day. I was thinking earlier today would be kind of weird, even kind of selfish of me to to want my team to kick the Lakers butt on 8-24, but... Remember, they, they, they won that initial game back after the Kobe funeral. Yeah, and I actually missed that game. I was on the plane coming back from China. And so I remember like being at the airport trying to stream my computer and, and bootleg it, you know, do the whole great wall of firewall of China. And I saw maybe like the the pregame stuff. And then after that I had to get on the plane. So it was just crazy being on the plane that whole time, not knowing what happened in the game. But even then I I, I just 
the Lakers just had too much going on that day. It was such an emotional day for them. While today they've, you know, it's been months, and even though it still seems like it was, it didn't happen not too long ago. But yeah, I just felt like it would have been kind of selfish for me to to be mad if if uh, the Lakers won on on Kobe Bryant day. I mean, I wanted a Blazers win, but after the first five minutes. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a long night. I was just hoping. I was like, please, if we can just get it to 10 at the half. I saw you on Twitter. Yeah, we saw that. Then next thing I know, I was like, I want it 10, not 30. (laughs) After that, it was just just a rough day. But I think I'd rather lose that way than a buzzer beater. I'd rather, I'd rather get smacked by 30 than lose the way the Clippers lost. Well, if, if there's any consolation, I mean, this will hopefully give the time off that Nurkic got to sit. He rested quite a bit in this game. Uh, some some needed rest for the game coming up on Wednesday. And then you're also talking about hopefully when it comes to Damian Lillard, he'll be feeling a lot better. I'm kind of worried about the knee because those are the kind of things that you don't think it looks too serious that it ends up being a little bit more. Yeah. Non-contact. You know, he was limping, but he was still trying to play on it. So he's thinking it's all right. But then you realize later on, there might've been some more damage done later on that, that uh, he might necessitate some work on it. So I'm hopeful that he will not have that kind of injury because you never want to see that with any player. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I hope he's okay. Um, but if he's, you know, if it's a situation where he's 50-50, then we're down we're, 3-1. Don't, don't need to risk it, I think. Well, we know, said that about Luca. We said that about Luca. <laughs> Look what happened. Yeah. and I, it was, <laughs> Big difference. Well, even then, though, they, they said, like, when I saw him leaving the arena that day, he didn't have – he was walking fine. He wasn't limping. Because during the game, he couldn't put any pressure on it, but then they showed him he was – so he was fine. He was a limp. And I think he just um, maybe just had a little bit of ice on it. I didn't think he played the way he did. But, yeah, it, I mean, I'm hoping it could be a similar situation. He's a game-time decision. And then he comes out and scores 40 and hits a buzzer beater on Wednesday. I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. But, I mean, for that to happen twice in a row in, in a matter of four, four days, that would be pretty incredible. That would be pretty incredible, but again, uh, you don't want to win that way with with Damian Lillard, you know, hobbling, and obviously you don't want to see him actually uh, have any type of long term injuries as well. You do want to see, as far as for your end, Portland come yeah. back strong and and show some fight in the next game, and for the Lakers, you just want to see them continue what they were doing, like in today's game, and with us also today, he's been very patient. Only seven minutes in, you get to speak, my friend. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as the man behind the best Lakers site out there. More detailed, better articles, podcasts for the Lakers Fast Break, videos from Raphael and NBA Draft Junkies. It is the best place to go for everything Lakers. It is Lakerholics.com. And Laker Tom, when you saw LeBron going to the game with the tributes to Kobe that he was wearing and and you saw the mindset that he had, even when they were up 30, you still saw that type of focus and anger on his face that told you that the Lakers were going to be difficult to stop today. 
Well, I think one of the most wonderful things that's ever happened to Lakers Nation was the way that Kobe embraced LeBron taking the mantle from him and the way that LeBron embraced taking that that weight off of Kobe's shoulders. Um, I, I really had a feeling before this game that it was going to be one of the best performances by the Lakers. And that first half was was probably the best first half they played all year long. Um, you have to give Portland a lot of credit. I mean, I think that the big problem that Portland has is they were just, they just did not have enough talent to, to match the Lakers. And on top of that, they had expended so much energy and karma just getting to where they were to get into the playoffs and, and had played so splendidly that, you know, that, that first game, basically when the Lakers couldn't hit the, hit the broad side of a barn with their shooting, that's the type of thing it takes for this team to lose. Um, and if everything is clicking right and they're, they're hitting on all cylinders, they're pretty much an unbeatable team. Um, the fourth, uh, the game five coming up, uh, you know, I, I sure hope that Dame is okay. Um, I almost worry more when there's a non-contact injury on a knee or something like that than, right. than when you're banged by somebody because those are the injuries that, I don't know whether it's just bad karma or what, but they they always seem to come back with more damage than expected. So I sure hope Dame is well. Um, yeah, they they feel so dinged up now at this point in time that I just hope that the Lakers don't fall into a gap and and you know and get hit with one of those games that you just don't expect. Where you know, uh, almost gave me shivers when Raphael's talking about. It. Another, you know, 42-point performance by Dame with a step-back three to win the game, you know. Uh, we need it. We definitely don't want that to happen two times in the same Well, Raphael season. says otherwise. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, we um, need it or, or – or, uh, You know, LeBron, LeBron went into that game. I remember during the tribute to Kobe when LeBron basically went out there and, and, and took the entire weight of Lakers Nation and said basically, I'm – I'm going to carry the Lakers the way that Kobe carried the Lakers. Um, and we've seen playoff LeBron two games in a row now, and uh, there's no doubt that he can still take it up to that level. Um, and that's great news for the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis, um, hopefully the back spasms. I think, I, think, I think that those were basically an after effect of, of getting that elbow from Whiteside um, because he was, uh, he was that, that, that bothered him a little bit on the bench. I guess it hit him in the Adam's apple or high up on the chest right underneath there. Yeah. Um, uh, the one nice thing about AD is that he has a reputation before he came to the Lakers of always being dinged and missing, you know, two or three games here and two or three games there for minor injuries. Um, he hasn't done that at the Lakers. And I, and, and I think that he's, he's appreciated the, the opportunity to play with somebody like LeBron, who's just such a perfect fit for him. Um, and that's really what this series came down to in, in, in the end, it was what I felt at the very beginning that you have two of the best, two of the top five players in the league right now on one team. And if those two players play to their potential, uh, that team is going to win that game. Um, I find it interesting that, we see Houston struggling now, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like Oklahoma City has a has a virtual home advantage. You know, they went back to to OKC Orlando and 
pulled out two wins. Uh, virtual home and Same with the Mavs. You know, they, they, they come back to virtual Dallas, um, and Luca hits that shot to, to pull him up even, you know. Well, we were uh, allegedly in virtual Portland tonight, but I didn't see so any Blazers. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's right. You're right. You're right. We were. That's the true. past two games actually were in virtual yeah. Portland, and uh, unfortunately, day, though you can't. I was so sure that they were going to call a foul. The ref, they should take his whistle away for not calling a foul on the last layup by LeBron, so that we could have scored eighty-one in the first half, just to, as the ultimate tribute to Kobe. Well, there was um, a twenty-four to eight lead for the Lakers. I will let I you saw know that, that. too. Yes. But, but 81, 81 in the first half would have been. Would have been really sweet, but eighty was nice. Well, you know, you guys. Before we get into statistics on why this happened and how the Lakers got to such a great first half, I think you guys are going to be missing the key on why the Lakers won, and that is basically this: before the game, Charles Barkley guaranteed that Portland would win, <laughs> and basically, right there was the kiss of death for Portland at that point in time because he's, I think, oh for his last three on guarantees and. It was so funny to see at halftime all the all the memes, all the Twitter shots at oh, Charles yeah. Barkley. That was just so funny. Between that and and the Twitter shots at Chris Webber, I think it was just truly hilarious. Truly hilarious. But seriously, getting back to the game itself, I mean, Raphael, what do you think was the key factor? Because for me, I think it was the defense that really got everything in tune. The only thing that they were allowing was Nurkic to have a little bit more of a way inside. They were letting Nurkic have his way inside, but said, you know what, Nurkic, you're going to have the game. We're going to focus on a lot of other things. And for the most part, Gary Trent, Melo in that first half, and to an extent, CJ and Damian were effectively, not I want to say shut down, but they were effectively hampered by the Lakers' defense in that first half. Well, I mean, the game... I mean, the, the Lakers set the tone in the first few possessions. I mean, it was, what, 15-0, something like that? Yes. So it's hard to give a, any team in the NBA a 15-point lead. Um, I guess we saw it yesterday with the Mavs spotting the Clippers, 21. But, yeah, I mean, they just had way more energy to start the game. Um, I mean, the Lakers came out as if it was game seven and their season were, was on the line. And the Blazers' energy looked as if we still have another game left. It's not over for us. And we have to play. Well, I shouldn't say we as if, like, I'm on the roster collecting a paycheck. But the Blazers have to play almost a near-perfect game just to have an opportunity. I mean, we're missing too many guys. And we have a lot of inexperienced guys getting playing time. And can't afford to spot spot the Lakers 15 points can't afford to just put them on a foul line give them easy baskets I thought and I'm I'm being maybe biased as a Blazers fan and I never want to like blame the refs but I felt like in the first half the calls were definitely leaning towards towards the Lakers um but again that's that's not an excuse um yeah it's just I mean the better team won today they came out with more intensity LeBron was on a mission. That's the LeBron I fear. As a Blazers fan, I, I love the passive LeBron who plays like Steve Nash. That's totally fine with me. But when he puts his head down and he's going to the rim and AD is 
rim running and he's active and he's knocking down jumpers, it's just, just going to be tough for us to win. And then especially like KCP. I mean, he took a lot of heat after game one, but it seems like he hasn't missed. Then Danny Green made some shots. And it's, you know, from there, I just knew, like, okay, it's not our day. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Laker Tom, was, yes, a, you could obviously start with AD and how hot he came out to start the game and LeBron, his intensity and the fact that the Lakers really gave out some effort, put a lot of transition points in there, at least for the start. But I think it was the the, the players that you don't normally talk about that, well, when you talk about them, you talk about them. I in, talk about them a lot. In, denigrated, in a denigrating fashion, usually. But you know what? Danny Green Critical, came. Constructive criticism. Well, Gerald, that's a lot of, well, there's a lot of construction, constructive criticism right there for you. But with Danny Green and uh, you know, JaVale McGee and uh, KCP, they all came to play. They played hard. They played well. They made shots. Caruso even made some shots. Kyle Kuzma was effective throughout, except for handling the ball, which was an issue for him today. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it, by the supporting cast, it really was a great effort. JR had a shot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, I think, you know, listen, Danny Green has gotten a lot of criticism from me um, for his shooting, obviously, but also for his defense, which I thought has really been declining and subpar for most of the season. You know, if you take a look at his stats or McGee's stats before the All-Star break, after the All-Star break, and then in the bubble and then in the playoffs, it's like a it's like a, a chart that goes straight down almost. Every one of those, each one of those four situations, their net ratings go down and their plus minuses go down. Um, I was really pleased with Danny Green's play tonight. I thought he played his best game defensively. Um, he was he was moving much faster and much quicker than normal. He was making good reads. He was not getting picked off every single time. Um, and that really helped ignite the defense from the start. I think this um, is a carryover from the last game. Well, hold on, Tom. I think this is a carryover from last game. I thought he really played from the well. the two blocks at the end of last game? Yeah, I really Maybe. thought he, he played very well last game. He's been very tentative, you know, and it's the same thing with shooters. If you're tentative on defense – that one step in the wrong direction or that wrong anticipation uh, really puts you out on an island. And he was afraid to be making, it was, it was almost like he was afraid to shoot the three and he was also afraid to make an aggressive move on defense, that he just didn't have the right anticipation. So I thought that was a big factor tonight. And then JaVale McGee, the other guy who basically gets a lot of criticism from me, primarily because of the same thing. He played well before the All-Star break and then, has been on a steady decline after the all-star break on the bubble and in the playoffs. Um, McGee played much better today. His defense was outstanding. His shot blocking was outstanding. Uh, he made some good plays on offense. Um, we had six guys in double figures, which was great. Kuzma hit his first three threes. Um, uh, I think uh, Alex Caruso played a very good game. I think Alex has been done exactly what Frank Vogel want, which is speed the ball up. Every time Every time he was coming down court, he was really pushing and picking up the pace and coming down at a fast pace, taking pretty, pretty good care of the ball and playing his usual steady defense. Um, and LeBron James, you know, I think that, I, I think LeBron is angry right now. He's a really angry man just because of what's going on in the social justice situation in America. 
and uh, combine that with the uh, the dark LeBron as uh, as it was being talked about on the broadcast um, by Chris, and you know, I and I think there is an element of that that Le- Le- LeBron is angry at this point in time, and he he came out and he was not going to. He didn't settle for anything. It wasn't those threes that he took were not settled threes. Those were threes because he really felt like he was going to make those threes. Um, and that's a big difference from when uh, times that I've seen when LeBron feels and looks tired, you know, he looks like a 35 year old player versus the king of the court. Like he was tonight. Um, the Lakers are rolling. They've got three straight now. They need to put the uh, they need to put the, uh, the the Portland Trailblazers away in the next game. Uh, they don't need a close game. They need another blowout to make sure it happens, uh, and then get ready for I don't know whom. You know that's going to be interesting. I was surprised. Uh, you know it's it these playoffs are really strange because we've got two playoff series that are tied where the underdog has hit a great shot to come back and win and tie up those series. Um, And in both cases now, it raises a lot of questions because the Lakers were sort of anticipating that their next two opponents were going to be the Rockets and the Clippers. And um, it's probably still the favorites that the Rockets and Clippers are going to be the next two opponents, but it's sure not a sure thing. You know, this is the... This is the bubble NBA, and it's not the same as when you have home court advantage. Uh, And it's different players that seem to be rising up and other players that haven't been able to rise up in the bubble. Um, I think it's a great sign for the Lakers that both AD and LeBron are playing well. The team's defense still looks really solid. Um, And Frank Vogel, who came in sixth in the Coach of the Year voting, uh, deserves a lot of credit for the great defense that they put on. Um, you look at the stats individually from each of these games. Um, uh, Cranges basketball has been putting out some great tweets with uh, and and the really long analyses of all of the different plays being run, the different results on all of the different ways that the Lakers are guarding uh, the Portland guards outside and how many how many points they're getting per possession when they hard hedge, how many they're getting off of the shot, off of the passes that come off of those hard hedges. Hard hedges and uh, uh, they really have, they've really upped it up. You know, they're from a period of time where in during the regular season, you saw them basically use traps and hard hedges as surprises. You know, they weren't doing it steady. They would, they would do it on every other play or every third play against Harden or third play against uh, Dame. Now they're doing it on every play. They found a formula that they think works. Um, and it's and it's something that you know is going to be carried through when they go against teams like the Clippers. You know, I mean, that's one thing you can tell that Dame will Dame will work, Harden will work hard against those types of plays in order to get their shots because they know that the game counts on them. Guys like Giannis and guys like uh, Kawhi Leonard are going to make the right play. They're going to pass the ball. Um, and that is a big benefit for the Lakers. So I think if the Lakers can continue this defensive strategy, I think we'll see it being applied uh, across the board as they move deeper into the playoffs. Um, I still do believe that they need to play a lot more 80 at the five as we go deeper into playoffs, and they need to give Kuzma more minutes. 
Uh, one of the things that I really disagree with is that Kuzma's minutes went up really high. He was like the second most minutes in the bubble. And and Vogel promised that he was going to give him big minutes in the playoffs. Well, right now, what he's done is he's cut his minutes by five a game, and he's given those five minutes a game extra to Danny Green, who up until tonight hadn't really performed. And, and if you compare the performances, doesn't deserve those minutes that Kuzma does. The Lakers cannot keep Kuzma if unless he's a starter. So they have to do one of two things. They either have to move AD to the five so that Kuzma gets those minutes, or alternatively, play him at the two. And he's showing that he can guard big guards. Um, he's not a stopper by any means, but he definitely now can hold his own. Um, and on every defensive possession that I watched him tonight, he, he did an excellent job. Um, Waiters looks like he's got some great moves offensively, but boy, a couple of the defensive plays that he made um, just totally lost contact with his man going across the middle. I think it was, uh, had, I can't remember who it was, but he just let his man go go completely through the outside and had a wide open three because he, he really lost track of where he was in the game. And it's obvious that uh, the doghouse that he's in as far as playing minutes go uh, is because of his defense. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. I'll tell you what, there is a lot of defense going around, but one of the things, Raphael, that I wanted to ask you is, it seemed like they were making a concerted effort to say to Yusuf Nurkic, go ahead, score as much as you want. I mean, they were doubling uh, up top, they were going and making sure any drives to the basket, they would have one or two guys over there leaving Nurkic to make a lot of putback baskets, a lot of offensive rebounds, but they just didn't seem to care, which is actually a, uh, different from what we've seen in the first few games where the Lakers dominated the defensive board. So this seems like an effort that they just said, you know what, Nurkic, score all you want. We're going to go ahead and try and stop everyone else. I saw a little differently. I just saw that he played better. He came out and he was more active. He wasn't throwing up those flip shots around the rim. When he did get the ball in traffic, he was trying to hammer it and, and dunk it. And I just wish that the other role players matched what, what he brought. Um, yeah, I just feel like he's just more intense. I mean, he's probably got a lot of criticism for running out of gas and and not being able to, to uh, step up to being the – third option and play like he was playing in the bubble. Um, I do think the Lakers made some slight changes, but I just, overall, I just felt like he came out to assert himself more than, than the other players. What and about I just don't, I, I think uh, Gary Trent should start. I mean, I think that, I mean, if the Lakers come out and kill us on the glass, that's one thing which they have been doing, but it's not really making too much of a difference when we have both of our bigs in anyway. Yeah. So start Trent, 
loosen the defense up because Dame and CJ can't get to the rim when we have the double big lineup in. It's apparently and become it, the case, yeah. Yeah, it allows AD to just float and play free safety. And then, I mean, that guy is just too active, too long, too agile, too athletic to have to not have to really guard anybody. You allow him to just guard a space. I mean, he shuts down your entire offense. So um, I, I'd say move white side out to start lineup and just take a, a shot at just bombs away and, and, and make AD have to guard somebody. One last... I, think I think another factor that uh, one of the things that I had been thinking about with respect to the Lakers defense uh, of the three guys that are left after you double the guards up on top um, one of the things I've always felt is that you don't leave guys alone in the corners. Yeah. And I think the Lakers did a great job of that. Uh, and I think it's one of the reasons why it was really a lot of one-on-one -on -one play when, when the ball went inside to, uh, to, uh, jerk on the, on the, uh, rolls. Uh, I think that, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me that if you're going to double Dame up on top, uh, let the center roll down the middle. Um, you've still got, you know, you still got one guy in there, but the main thing is just don't leave those corners open because that's the play that you don't want them to make. You don't want to have that roller hit a corner three, hit a guy for an easy corner three. And the Lakers did a good job on that. In the first half, they, they had a 21 point advantage on the three point shooting. Um, you give a team like the Lakers that advantage because they usually don't have it. They set a record for three point shots, uh, three point makes the second day in a row, second game in a row. Um, and if they're shooting that well the rest of the playoffs, then it's going to be lights out. Um, I feel like the Blazers could exploit that matchup if they just made one more pass. We yeah. get it to Nurt. He drives in. He passes it to the corner, man. They're, because they're trained not to leave the corner open, they're going to do a hard closeout swing, hit the guy at the slot, and it's an open look. But they haven't been making the extra pass. And yeah, well, if you, if you stop that corner three, it, I mean, it, it's, it's still just arithmetic, man. Three is greater than two. I'll give, yeah. I'll give him that two every time. Just don't overhelp and leave the corners open. One yeah. of the things that was an issue for the Lakers today was ball handling outside of Caruso and LeBron. When they left in the hands of Kuzma or anyone else, there seemed to be a lot of turnovers that Portland could capitalize on. And that leads me to this question, and dare I say it, does this mean really that once he gets rid of his back spasms, you know what I'm going to say, we're going to see Rajon Rondo once again? I think you're going to – it's inevitable, man. I mean, how many times have Laker fans, Laker pundits uh, screamed about how the stats and all of the, all of the, all of the numbers say that that Rondo is a liability. That's my you know, hand raised up. That's my hand raising up. Just let you know. And it's and it's it's you know it's it, it's at times infuriating you know because I'm 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 a real pro analytics guy and it, and it just drives me nuts to to see our defense get shredded and then a guy who can't really shoot well from outside take up a spot especially when we have a traditional back to the basket center who can't shoot either. So you're taking two of the spots that really should be when you're playing with LeBron and AD manned by shooters. I mean, that's the formula for winning with LeBron James. Or even in the, the case of, with, well, with hold Anthony on. Well, Davis, he... And the formula for winning with Anthony Davis, wait, 
formula for winning with Anthony Davis, too, hasn't been to have him play the four. It's been to have him play the five. The most success he had with the Portland Trailblazers was when they had Miritich playing the four instead of AD and moving AD to the five. You see, that was much more successful than when than Boogie played the five and, and AD played the four. But it's I, that facing and room to attack the basket that you need with Anthony Davis and with LeBron James. But the, the Lakers are still able to manage this with Alex Caruso, who is not a shooter at this point. And you can't even you sell me on it. two threes tonight. Yeah, but out of how many attempts and uh, what is his – actually check the stats overall. What is he shooting at? Uh, but again, you see his plus minus again, you see all the other different things that he does out on the floor. Yeah. He can't make the perfect pass. Yeah. He can't always give you what you need, but my gosh, the effort is always there with him. So the Lakers are able to go ahead and survive, but thrive with him in the lineup and AD and LeBron. But like you said, they at least have to have two other individuals out there that can shoot the ball. Morris has been effective in his time. And he's almost seemingly gone out of the radar, but I do want to give him some props for at least providing been some playing good defense. Yeah, exactly. Which is something he wasn't known for and providing the occasional shot out there, at least giving the Lakers at least another option out there in the past couple of games that's been sorely needed. Well, there's, there's no question that Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel has a certain philosophy and that philosophy starts with defense protecting the rim uh, he may feel he may be offensively converted now to an analytics guy who thinks the game starts from outside, but he still believes defense starts from the inside. So there you yeah, go. It's hard to get him. It's hard to get him to move AD to the five, and you don't know whether. I just wish somebody, one of the press people, would ask Anthony Davis straight out. You know, AD, don't you think you ought to be playing the five a lot more? Um, is it you or is it Palinka because he doesn't want to worry that you're going to go to another team? Or is it the coach because he wants to play a traditional center with you? Uh, who is really behind the lack of minutes? He's playing 16 minutes a game at the five. Well, it was up during the seeding games, and I think it's down now in this yep. series. Yep. But I think if they move on and the deeper they go to the playoffs, he's going to play the five. Cause I, I want to say it was like 38% this season at the five yeah. but during the seeding games. It was 60% and the Portland matchup favors, at least now it's looking like it's favoring the way that um, Vogel wants to play with, yeah. with the two bigs. I think, you know, I think, you're, no right about, I think you're right about starting uh, Gary instead, uh, you know, and not instead of the two bigs, they, First off, those two bigs have never played together. They don't really know how to do that together. Mm -hmm. And they don't complement each other anyway. So, yeah. I mean, they're starting because, you know, we're missing. They're starting because uh, Frank is starting the two bigs, you know. That's, well, even then, I just, I when, mean, I think. When you're missing stats. Collins and when you're missing Ariza, you know, you don't have many options, so. I think Stotts was going to start off with the two bigs anyway, because if if Collins was there, he was going to start at the four, which yeah. is something that I didn't really like at the beginning of the, the year, unless Collins was going to be a, a big-time threat to knock down the corner three, but he didn't really play enough games to show that he um, had improved as a shooter. I think if we had Ariza, the starting lineup would be but, maybe but, Ariza at the four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, maybe even Mello would come off the bench, which is something that he may or may not have liked. But 
you know, I, I definitely think the eighties minutes after five would definitely go up. I mean, if they play Houston, I think. Well, they have to go up against Houston. I mean, my God. Yeah. I can't, can you imagine? I mean, I do like McGee as a player, you know, but I, I can't imagine him being effective or Howard being effective against Houston. Uh, Terrell Moore. They may try. Well, I just wanted to say Terrell Moore did uh, want to comment on something that you said, Tom, earlier. Uh, he is saying that that's a negative on your thoughts on LeBron focusing on the anger of what's going on with all the social injustice and focusing it in on a basketball forum. Uh, he's saying that he disagrees with you by saying negative. LeBron is separating the social issues from the basketball. So uh, it's being seen by a different perspective on that. But, uh, you know, either which way, I see a focus LeBron. But before we go ahead and move on to the other games, I want to just go ahead and close with this. Uh, Raphael, uh, you're down 3-1. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a game coming up. You talked about one of the major things. It's like a go-for-broke move per se, or at least to get have them get off to a good start, is putting Gary Trent Jr. in the lineup instead of Hassan Whiteside. Is there anything else that you would want to go ahead and focus on or make changes to so that you think that it would give you a more even playing field going forward in game five? Yeah, uh, I'd start Trent. And, um, I mean, he's playing starter minutes anyway. So I, I start him to try to get off to a better start and then make the extra pass. But like all bubble, the Lake, I mean, the Blazers played their best when they had Melo at the four and Trent because it allowed, you know, a pick and roll between Dame and, and Nurk. And you, the defense has to really pick their poison. Do you stop Dame on the drive? And if you collapse in on the drive, you leave the corner open. So I would I would go ahead and start that start him um, starting the game with Carmelo guarding LeBron. If LeBron is going to be aggressive, it's never a good idea. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Trent is he's he's fighting. He's doing. I mean, he's trying to be an irritant. I really uh, you know give him credit for the effort that he's putting in. He's doing everything that he can. I think Melo is somewhat trying on the defensive end, but if he has to guard LeBron in space, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a layup. You got to help out. Yeah. I think Melo was doing okay guarding like the Morris twin and, and maybe Davis in the post, because that's more his style of slow physical, but offensively, I just, you know, I've been saying it all series. I don't want to see Melo take any shots inside the arc i looked it up i mean the numbers were bad coming into this to this game it was like two for 14 on pull-up jumpers eight for 28 on jumpers total i mean all the numbers were were bad but his highest percentage out of all the shots that he had been taking was from the three-point line i think he was shooting 37 percent from three going into the series but all the other stats were in the 20s uh i think even I think he maybe had a couple that uh, synergy broke down his post-ups. Other than that, I mean, his shooting numbers have been bad. And a lot of it is because he's still playing the way that he is accustomed to playing, which is kind of hard to change who you are after like 16 or 17 years in the NBA. But his first step isn't there anymore. Yeah, Defenses don't respect his first step. So, 
that pull-up jumper is going to be contested. Every and even if time. he does, yeah, and even if he does get to the rim, he's he's lacking that burst or pop that allows him to finish, especially over over Davis or JaVel or Dwight. So I just think he needs to just be a floor spacer. His style of play is, is uh, his old school style of play definitely doesn't work against the Lakers. Maybe some other teams, maybe a smaller team like Houston, maybe, or where there's an, you know, a smaller wing on a switch, but he has absolutely zero advantages in the post against the Lakers. Well, there you have it. There again was a great way to celebrate and just pay respect to Kobe on Kobe Bryant day. It was a 135 to 115 victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Again, the Lakers do lead the series three games to one best out of seven. We're coming up on Wednesday with another game. So we'll see what happens in games in game five. And we'll be here at the Lakers fast break to talk about that game. But there were other great NBA playoffs games once again. Yes, Tom. Okay. I got to yeah. have the last say, go ahead. Yeah, I don't need to have the last say, but I, I, I think that one thing that I, I really feel in answering the question that you asked Raphael, um, I always thought it was playing into the Lakers' hands for them to run the pick and roll with one of their bigs. Um, because the play that's open, if they come out here and they're double teaming and, and trapping and hard hedging against Dame to make him get rid of the ball, the shot that's available is a pick and pop. Um, that would have been a perfect play for them. To, that would have been a perfect way for them to use Mello, for example, because he would get some open shots that, that Nurchik is never going to be confident enough to take a whole bunch of those. Well, if they can get uh, Mello on... Jr., Gary Trent Jr. also would be a perfect guy to get out there because that that's how you beat those hard traps like that. You have a pick and pop where you've got somebody who can really shoot a three. Uh, even if it's, even if it's a, a CJ, you know, uh, uh, I don't know why they never they never ran any of those plays where where you're using a guard or doing an inverted pick and roll and uh, in order to to combat that that's that's a tactical move that I thought was a mistake um, by the by the uh, Blazers coaching staff. Well, I do think that if you can somehow get isolated Kuzma on Anthony for some reason Kuzma has a little bit of an issue with with Anthony. Uh, I see I see Anthony does have a great mid-range against Kuzma for some reason or another, but it just seems to work effectively against him. Kuzma's trying, but somehow is just not very effective against him. So if you're able to go ahead and switch off to that, there you go. But it shouldn't be reliant, the Portland Trailblazers. They shouldn't be reliant on anything Carmelo Anthony does. And I think what Raphael is trying to say is Raphael wants Anthony out there on the wing shooting a higher percentage of three-pointers, which he's more effective now at this point in time, instead of being that old mellow everyone knows, because, again, like against the taller Lakers, he is not able to go ahead and be effective like that. And the more shots he's taking, as we saw in, what was it, game four, the more shots he, he was taking, he was starting to get a little bit of rhythm, but that took everybody else, especially Damian Lillard, yeah. out of the rhythm and that's who of the Portland Trailblazers you don't want to get out of the rhythm. But if you're the Lakers, you're you're fine with it. I mean, if the Lakers say, go ahead, Melo, score 20 on us, that's fine. Because that would prevent, I think, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum from really going off on you. 
which is the biggest threat to the Lakers and if they're going to go ahead and come back on the Lakers in game five. So I'm, I'm right now, I'm in the opinion, like I said, Melo can go off and be old Melo all he wants, but that was just going to take away from Damian and CJ, I think uh, very much so. So there you go. I mean, it, it is, like I said, 135-115 victory for the Lakers. Uh, once again, I'm with Laker Tom at Lakerholics.com. You know he's got a lot of great stuff and great articles that he's got coming for you today and tomorrow at Lakerholics.com. Rafael Barlow is coming back at you with more great stuff all this week on NBA Draft Junkies. So many things to talk about, but still, there's some great NBA playoff games. So, guys, I want to head to OKC and Houston uh, because it was the hand sanitizer game uh, in in which uh, Houston had a chance to really go up 3-1 uh, and just couldn't get it done. Uh, Raphael, what were your observations on the game as a whole? Because, uh, you know, seeing a frustrated Harden like this is something that I thought early on I wouldn't see possible. I thought at least they were going to cruise into the second round, to be quite honest with you. And really, I think they should. Um, if Daniel House makes that free throw, it's 3-0. Yeah. Missed the free throw, which it was a tie game. He makes it. They go up one. Chris Paul missed the shot. Then this game, I want to say, like, to start the second half, they must have made, like, was it eight threes in a row or something like that? Yeah. And then they just went ice cold. There was a play where Jeff Green had a wide open look in the corner, and the ball went right through his hands. And then – uh I mean, like the stats say that the lineup that OKC closes with, with, uh, you know, their three guards was the best closing lineup in the league this year as far as crunch time minutes. And, you know, based off these last two playoff games, those numbers are accurate because they've outplayed Houston in the clutch. And then I also feel like there were a couple plays, and it's just hardened. I mean, you, you have to live with – his shot selection, but there were a couple of plays where he shot the ball like step backs from super deep. And even though he can make that shot, I think it kind of bails the defense out when he's taking contested step backs from 35 feet, probably even further than that. Schroeder a free agent? Uh, or does he have one more year? He, no, I think he he's got another year. Okay. I was going to say, you've been a trade target of mine several times. Yes, I know, Tom. And uh, he certainly played like it today. But uh, Laker, Tom, I want to ask you this. Uh, well, I think Raphael's confirming yes or no on that. Um, with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder and also Gilgis Alexander playing that three guard lineup, that's really tough to spot, uh, tough to stop because of the fact that they can do so much. All Each of them can handle, each of them can take to the basket, and each of them can also provide some outside shooting. Well, you have to, you know, uh, the thing that seems to be coming up as you, as you look at what's happening in the playoffs right now um, is a question of whether or not the Clippers really should have made that trade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they really, they really gave up a lot for Paul George and all I got is a two-year contract uh, as a result of it. And, uh, uh, you look at you look at Oklahoma City and and the way that their team is playing and and yeah Chris Paul is you know nearing the end of his career and he's got a untradeable contract and so forth but that's just going to open up more cap space for them at some point in time and they've got all of these draft 
draft picks that they've they've gotten from these deals. Um, you know, look at, you look at what's happened with teams that have gone through so-called processes, you know, like our favorite 76ers and so forth. Um, the process that uh, that we've seen Oklahoma City go through is is one that really is a almost going to be a classic that people are going to GMs, GMs and training are going to be studying for years to come because they are in, they're in a great situation. And if the Clippers end up losing uh, somehow, and it's not impossible because they're, they're getting out coached and they're getting outplayed. And, uh, and Luca is, Luca is emerging game by game as, you know, I surefire top five. I don't know who they're going to move out of the top five, but somebody's going to get moved out of the top five to make room for that kid. Well, Raphael and I talked about it. Uh, what did we say? Two, three years. And we think that he could very well be the best player in the NBA. He could be. He could be. But you uh, still, uh, you, you changed your thoughts, Tom, Laker Tom? Uh, hey, conversation. You know, <laughs> in that long Twitter conversation that we were having, Raphael, it wasn't at all that I was disrespecting uh, Luca's game. I was just amazed at how good he was for a 21-year-old kid. Even he's better. with all that Euro experience, man. And he's better since the restart and, and, than he was this season. I, 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 listened, I listened to the podcast of you two, and you're absolutely right about the jumps that the kid has made. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I, one of the things that Gerald said struck me because – I've always sort of been thinking of him as the, you know, you always, you always try to put players in who does he remind you of type of thing. You know, it makes it easy to explain to people when you're talking on blogs and so forth. And, and I looked at him as sort of a, you know, a combination of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson um, because he doesn't have that uber athleticism that LeBron has. But I thought that the, I thought that Gerald's point was really spot on that, the guy that he's really closest to is LeBron James in a strange way, even though, even though they're totally different types of athletes, uh, their game, the way they attack the basket with power moves uh, combined with great finesse moves and savvy basketball IQ, you know, uh, that, you know, he's the next LeBron, even though people won't understand that when I say that he is the next LeBron James in this league. Well, I think he has a little bit of, you can say he has a little bit of magic in his game. You can say he has a little bit of bird. You can also say he has some Nash. I think you can say he has a little bit of LeBron as far as like how once he gets you on his hip. He's, he's a unicorn. He's just and, like he but he also has some James Harden in his game because he's freezing you with, with the ball handling. Like right. LeBron is not really, well, he does it from time to time but he's not really setting you up with ball handling moves because he can just go straight line. Yeah, but he hunts, out, he hunts out the weak defender the way LeBron does. I yeah. Mean, and they, he, hunted, he hunted down the Clippers. Uh, yeah, he definitely does. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's scary because, like I said before, he averaged 29-9, yeah, 29-9-9 and in his second year. And then – this break is similar to an off season, yeah. As far as time, it is. He came back. What is so good now? He had a whole off season there. Yeah, and he he came back better. Yeah, and I think the one step for him 
that he needed to improve and the maps overall needed to improve was three point shooting. Well, the clutch. I mean, I, I think as far as his three point shooting, it's never going to be really, really high because for, year, for the season, thirty two percent, or you know, and he's up that. There, yeah. I, well, I'm not a big. Like, he's one of those guys where I don't think his percentage is an issue because he's like, if you say you just look at the numbers, thirty two percent, then you say, okay, well, he's not an efficient shooter. But every shot he takes is a contested hard shot. He's yeah never going to get assisted threes. Well, I think like James Harden, he may shoot like 35% on threes, but think how about all of them are contested step backs. But if you just take out those and put them in catch and shoot situations, he's like in the high forties or something like that. I'll tell you what, it's just oh. something to see already, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so we go, we're, like I said, it's now two, two. So there's now an even playing field when it comes to Oklahoma and Houston. So I want to hear your thoughts before we go on to the other two games. And and Raphael, I mean, your thoughts, does Oklahoma really stand a good chance now of taking the series? Yeah, I think they do. But based off the video I saw of Westbrook warming up, I think he's coming back the next game. He looked fine in the warm-ups, which, you know, it's warm-ups like they said in the in the broadcast. No defense. It's just a matter of him just kind of working his way back into some decent playing shape. But Westbrook is a guy who seems like he has a backup engine as far as his motor. And I've never seen him exhausted or tired. And he plays hard every game. So I think he'll be back just because they don't want to mess around and lose and end up having to try to fight back and end up being one game away from elimination when they try to bring him back. I still think Houston pulls it out. Um. Yeah, it's just a, I still think Houston pulls it out. Well, I'll tell you what, right now, Tom, any last thoughts on it before we head on to the last two games? If Westbrook comes back, Houston will pull it out. If Westbrook doesn't come back, I think they'll lose it, and I think it's just going to be because Harden just never seems to be able to pull it together at the end of the playoffs. He always runs into some sort of problem, one game, a, a three out of 22 or something like that. Um. He can go cold at the most inopportune moments. And, you know, uh, James is going to have to prove that before I would say that they're going to wrap it up without Westbrook. Well, he can't be found at a club this point in time. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's something you can't say is going to be either which way at this time because he's not going to be at a club. He's going to be like everywhere else right there in Orlando. So, uh, hopefully he... I don't think it's because of the clubs. I don't... I don't, well, I don't think that was something. Well, that was something that was yeah. targeted against him on that uh, series, especially mm -hmm. the series where he really collapsed as far as uh, his performance. And he basically, right. from what people were saying, gave up in that Game 7 uh, and then was found partying right after. But anyways, like I said, it's now 2-2. Two -two. Uh, it's heading to a Game 5 on Wednesday, so it'll be very interesting to see who comes out on top on that one. But the other two games of note is Miami closing out Indiana and Orlando taking a commanding three to one lead on uh, Orlando. Uh, so, uh, excuse me, Milwaukee giving a commanding three to one. Sorry, Milwaukee giving a three to one lead over Orlando. So I want to hear your thoughts guys real quick on Miami's dominance over Indiana. Kind of surprising to me that Indiana at least didn't get a game. But Raphael, their outside shooting, and the fact that Butler 
got hurt with the shoulder and they still did need him shows that there's more to this team than just JB. Yeah, I mean, they're tough. I'm looking forward to their series against the Bucks. Yeah. I think this next, this second round is going to possibly change so much. Even like going back to the last series we talked about, if if there's a way that Oklahoma City wins, the D'Antoni, the Mori era, the small ball era is over if they lose in the first round. Yeah. Um, that would be. They might go to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, they would probably need to work out some trade because they, <laughs> Houston has no bigs and Philly has too many bigs. Um, but yeah, I think the second round series with um, Orlando, I'm sorry, not Orlando, but Milwaukee and Miami could also change the fortunes of a franchise because I think Miami has the the guys that are strong to and can move their feet to um, make life tough for Giannis. And Milwaukee needs to find a way to get Bledsoe and um, Middleton. I mean, they're struggling. And Laker Tom? Far... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Raphael. Oh, yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I think that the Miami-Indiana series, I thought it was going to be a lot better. Yeah. But I, you know, Oladipo's not 100%. He has flashes where he looks like he's close to being back to what he was. Then Warren had the plantar fasciitis and then... I mean, they fought. They they played hard. It's just Miami was the better team. Laker Tom, any thoughts on either game? Uh, that um, was... You know, it's kind of funny the way it's the way it's working out now. Everybody went into the playoffs looking at the Lakers second, looking at the Lakers second round and semi and and Western Conference Finals being really two tough matchups. It's possible they could be two totally unexpected matchups. Yep. And on the other side of the on the other side of the bracket, everybody was thinking, you know, oh hey, you know, Milwaukee is just going to cruise through, um, and yet now they they look like they're going to be facing a very tough Miami team that can shoot lights out, and that's the type of team that that can really give their defense trouble. Um, and then and on, top of that, on top of that, you go yeah. to the Raptors, who who legitimately, in my mind, ought to be at least co favorites to to win the East. So Milwaukee may have a harder path to get to the finals than I think that the Lakers might have um, because the two teams the Lakers were expecting to meet haven't really played well. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point but indeed. Funny playoffs. You know, you just don't know. Uh, it's the bubble playoffs, man. It is the bubble playoffs indeed. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But again, Milwaukee dominated Orlando, taking a three to one series lead, uh, 121 to 106. And also, as well, you have Miami finishing off Indiana, 99 87. Jimmy. Uh, Butler was banged up with a shoulder, didn't get to play much in the game, but I think it's going to be something that's not too serious that I think he'll be coming back for. 
and I think they're going to get ready for Milwaukee in that second round. So I, I, I agree with you guys. It looks like it's going to be a very tough second round matchup between Miami and Milwaukee. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But before we go ahead and head on out and you guys go ahead and describe what's going on with Lakerholics.com and also as well NBA Draft Junkies, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, and that is Brett Brown being dismissed as the coach of the 76ers. Uh, I guess there's also going to be a rebranding, pardon the pun, as far as the, uh, or uh, just a redesign of the executive area as far as somebody overseeing uh, operations and whatnot. So I want to hear your thoughts, Raphael, on the dismissal of Brett Brown today. Elton Brand, for at least now, gets to keep his job. But again, there's going to be a restructuring in place. Was that the answer that you were looking for, or was this something that was a little bit unexpected? Uh, I, I figured Brown would be the first domino to fall. Uh, I haven't, I hadn't, uh, seeing like Woj or tweet about the, the restructuring of the front office, but I wouldn't be shocked if um, Brand is allowed to stay for one more year. But if I'm a head coach, I don't know if I want to take that job simply because if the GM that hired me is on a short leash, then I'm in a tough situation because whoever the new person that they bring in is probably going to want to have their own person in line. So I don't think that job, this is my opinion, but I don't think that job will be as coveted as they probably think. If I'm a top candidate, I'm going to take Brooklyn first. I'd even take the Chicago job over the Philadelphia job because I think it's easier to put those pieces and try to make them work than trying to make two young, stubborn guys who refuse to do what it takes to make the team win to try to get them on the same page so um yeah i don't i don't think that job is going to be as covered as people think tom you were going to say something go ahead i agree with i agree with Raphael that uh, the philly job is difficult because every time every time there's a general manager change the coach just always seems to at best get one more year <laughs> yeah and, and then you bring in your own man uh, and then, and then I agree with him 100% that you got two players. You got a guy in Embiid who's who doesn't seem to ever get in good enough shape to be able to overcome the needs that the team has, and uh, and he's you can't decide what kind of player is he. Is he going to be a, a stretch five or is he going to be a power five underneath? And then you got a point guard who can't shoot and doesn't he won't block. shoot. Won't, yeah, won't I just want to know what he does uh, during the summer, like you know, because um, we don't even know if he's a bad shooter. He just doesn't take the shots. You have the two big products that you got out of the process, you know, quote, and that process gave you two sensational players, but they don't fit, and then they mm-hmm. surrounded them with pieces that were bad decisions that were overpaid and that don't fit. So. You know, who wants to take that coaching job because they saw what happened to the last coach there, and he's not a bad coach. He got yeah, dealt I, a really bad yeah. hand, and they should have they should have started by taking down the taking Brandon, getting rid of him. Um, well, yeah, I was thinking like you know if if he's such a bad coach, does is it is does he get fired if the ball doesn't bounce 
in that series last year on Kawhi's shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that was the second round, but if he, if that ball doesn't go in and they win, the, yeah, <laughs> they win that series. They, they're in the, I think the Western Conference Finals, right? Eastern I mean, Conference. Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just kind of dealt a bad hand. Um, all their shooters, backup point guard, they didn't have that. The roster was just terribly put together. But I think he'll bounce back. I think that he can, He comes from the Spurs tree, and those guys kind of look out for each other. And, I mean, we've seen coaches get second opportunities. Like, I mean, I didn't think Vogel would get put in such a good opportunity after losing the job in Orlando. Like, <laughs> what better situation yep, can you be in? Situation that we're looking at the 76ers, you know? Yeah. They got it. He took the job. The general manager went out the next year. Yep. But the problem exactly. is now you've got a salary cap hell, or at least a nightmare for at least a couple of years until you figure out what to do with Tobias Harris and Al Horford, especially Al Horford because of his declining play and his massive contract. You talked about Chris Paul earlier being an untradeable contract. I still think at this point in time that he is. It's not as untradeable as it once was believed to be. It's it'd be an expiring. It's still got two years, doesn't it? Yeah, still two I years. Think but it's more than that, is it two? I think it's at least I two. I think two it's. More. I thought he signed a five. He has. I think it's three. Yeah, he's under contract until twenty one, twenty two, and it's a player option for forty four million. So that's a <laughs> pretty much a three year contract right there. But I don't think that's as untradeable. <laughs> Money, generational money for one year. I think the Knicks yeah. will still look at that and and still think that maybe they can do something with it. But when it comes to untradeable contracts, Al Horford's right now is probably one of the top three or it's four. It's going to be an amnesty in the next CBA. Uh, uh, there you go. If that's the case, but again, there's a lot of issues there. But I agree with Raphael. I would take Chicago's uh, position over Philadelphia's at this point in time because it's right now a lot of. Things up in the air when it comes to Philadelphia, and there's going to be a lot to wait and see. I don't even know yet. Everybody talks about you know how Ben Simmons, you know, is as an outside shooter. We don't know because he doesn't take shots. So if you don't take the shots, yeah, if he can't can't shoot, shoot so most likely he is a bad shooter from there. But we don't know for sure because he seriously will not take that shot because we've seen other players that shoot bad from the free throw line at least put up their fair share from the outside. We don't even know because he's so petrified in doing so. And in, in, in doing so, he is being a detriment to that end of the of the mix. But still, I, two I for mean, 13 on yeah. jumpers this year. Yeah. On jump shots, period. Two for 13. He's a hell of a defender, though, and a hell of a passer. Yeah, I mean, but as, again, I, I spoke with Raphael on our previous Lakers fast break at length, who you would take Embiid or Simmons going forward. So... Uh, I'll pose the question to you because yeah. you, they already heard our audience already heard our thoughts. But Laker Tom, oh, who would you take? Who who would you take? I said Simmons, and Raphael said Embiid. I take Embiid. Well, there you go. There you go. I don't. You know, Horford doesn't have. You can't shoot. It's... Well, Embiid, when yeah. you get bit, you'd probably get more more assets. That's why I was thinking. And I would think that he'd be able to post up if he had spacing. Yeah, but then you'd be still be left with you'd still be left with Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't right. think the problem. Horford doesn't have the worst contract on his team. I think Tobias is worse. He may be younger, 
Tobias is under contract until the 23-24 season where he'll make $39.2 million. <laughs> so it's 32-7 this year, 34 next year, 35, almost round up to 36 and 21-22, then it's 37.6 and then 39.2. And what makes his deal even more interesting is he negotiated himself. No agent. No agent. <laughs> yeah. Smart man. Smart so I wonder man. how did that negotiations go? Like, look, I don't have anybody else offering this type of money. When he when he retires, he doesn't have to worry about getting a broadcasting job. Yeah, he's. I mean, that's he saved himself four percent on that, but I don't think he would have had anybody else offering him that type of money. No, but you know what? That's the way it is uh, right now for him and the 76ers going forward. But again. Amnesty is their only hope. Well, Amnesty is Philadelphia's only hope for him and possibly even Al Horford at this point in time because going forward, it, things are going to look a little bit tougher for them. They're looking for a new coach. They're looking to restructure their executive offices. Uh, Lelton Brand is still going to keep his job, but we'll wait and see what plays out in Philadelphia because it's always such a fun place to watch as far as the fan oh, reaction. Yeah, yeah and, and the fan reaction and things yeah, of that okay. nature. They, they they love their basketball in Philly, but they remind me so much as far as the New York Knicks fans, as far as being such a vocal part of the NBA. So I'm, I'm interested to see what goes on there. But again, Brett Brown been fired as Philadelphia's coach. So we'll see what happens coming up, uh, you know, as far as a replacement for him going forward. But guys, it's been great. It's been fun. Lakers, once again, on Kobe's Bryant Day, and a tribute to the great Kobe Bryant. It was just, uh, I guess, an awesome day if you're a Lakers fan. For Raphael, it wasn't such a great day, obviously, from the get-go. But again, this he said, if you got to lose, I guess that's the way he's he, he prefers it. And again, they lost 135 to 115. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, don't want to win a buzzer beater. I'd rather win by 40. Well, yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. But uh, before we head on out, guys, I want to go ahead and give you the floor on what you guys are working on this week for each of your respective outlets. Raphael, you're first, my friend. You've got that great site, NBA Draft Junkies. You've got your awesome podcast, Run the Floor and NBA Draft Junkies. And, of course, you've got your YouTube page, which is closing in on 12,000 subscribers. So if you can give him some some subscribes, you go ahead and tell some great people out there that want to know more about the NBA draft to go ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel so we can get over the 12,000 mark. We greatly appreciate it. But what's going on with NBA draft junkies this week for you, my friend? Same every day. Every day is the same. Just trying to update the site. Like I've been saying, I'm a one man gang. Everything on the site from the videos to the writing it's all implemented by me. Same with the with the website. So it's been taking up a lot of time, but it's something that I enjoy. And um, so, yeah, I'm just working right now. I am updating the site as far as putting the second half of my mock. Once I update the, the actual site, then I'll put out the video so I can put that on the site and on the YouTube channel. But the last couple of videos have done well. I think the... First mock I did this weekend is over 12, no, maybe over 15,000 views within the last few days. So that's doing pretty well. And then the live mock draft that we did yesterday is around close to about 2,000 views. 
So um, the feedback on that has been pretty good, except, you know, a couple people have, Knicks fans have been upset about their pick. And I even told one guy, I said, I didn't even make the pick. <laughs> it wasn't even me. But he couldn't reach out to, uh, I think it was PD that had the pick. So other than that, I'm just working on the site. And then I will have a video on Lakerholics for the 28th pick, even though I have been preparing for 29, but it's 28 now. So I'll have that video up sometime this week. And then, um, you know, if you look on my site, I have a couple of videos that I'm doing for Lakerholics already on my YouTube channel. And then I'll add the tab for my website this week also. So been keeping pretty busy, but this is a great time of year for me. Absolutely. And you can catch all the great work that he does, NBADraftJunkies.com, NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube, and of course, his two awesome podcasts, Run the Floor and NBA Draft Junkies, on every available podcast outlet. And Laker Tom, while you go ahead and talk about what you're doing and what you're up to at Lakerholics.com, I want you to go ahead and just think about some of the articles that you've got coming up in the works for everyone out there at Lakerholics.com. Well, I've been writing uh, probably an article every other day, basically, uh, covering all of the different subjects. Uh, generally, uh, some of them are related to the previous game and, and observations that I make on the game. And But I usually stick to a theme that that uh, is, let's say, a longer view than just the game itself, uh, how that game and what adjustments I see in that game uh, affect the future of different players. Um, I'm watching Kyle Kuzma. I was really pleased tonight to see him come out and uh, do some good uh, three-point shooting. Um, he had an excellent game, hit five out of nine from deep. Uh, his form looks really good. Uh, I thought he, again, played excellent defense. Um, and even on the plays when uh, Mello was uh, toasting him three times in a row, I thought he played very good defense on Mello. You know, Mello's... Uh, you're talking about a Hall of Fame player who can really pour it in from 15 to 20 feet when he's hot and, and when he gets into rhythm. Um, so uh, I think I'm looking at this, uh, I'm in the middle of, uh, I, I usually have two or three different articles going on at once that I'm starting to write, maybe that I started to write a week ago or something, different themes. And so I'll have something up tomorrow that'll be new and uh, not sure which one of the three articles I'm gonna pull over. But uh, I'm going to start focusing on looking ahead at the at the playoffs uh, teams that the Lakers are facing. Uh, what are the prospects if they're facing the Rockets or the uh, Thunder? Uh, what are the prospects if they're facing uh, the Clippers or the Mavericks? I think that there's an interesting uh, situation to be looked at, and and how which teams come out of those first round playoffs between the, the Clippers and the Clippers situation and the Rockets situation, I think uh, could dramatically change the prospects for the Lakers moving forward. And I even still think that uh, all of a sudden now it looks like from the, as I said earlier, in the Eastern Conference that the ultimate uh, test of who the Lakers are gonna face in the finals could be dramatically different than everybody expected right from the start. Um, the one thing that's great about everything so far is that Everybody predicted the Lakers would be the team that had the trouble in the first round, and uh, and now it looks like it could be a couple of other teams that have troubles on the Western Conference in the first round, and it looks like the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have much tougher second and third round, uh, second round and 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 Eastern Conference Finals challenges than expected. So 
I think I'm going to be looking at different articles that look at what the ramifications of that are for the prospects of the Lakers uh, winning a championship and uh, looking forward to discussing that. I'm looking forward to it as well. And that's going to be available at Lakerholics.com. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. And of course, for us at Lakers Fast Break, if you get a chance, check us out. Lakers Fast Break on Facebook. Also as well, Lakers Fast Break on YouTube. Our, our Basically, our podcasts are going up every single day. So you can go ahead and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Lakers Fast Break channel right there for you for all the recaps. Raphael and I are committed to going up every day after the games on NBA playoffs and reporting to you and recapping everything that went on each and every day, whether it's the day where the Lakers are playing or whether it's not, it doesn't matter. We'll be here tomorrow to talk about all the great things going on in NBA playoffs day nine already. My friends, it's already going by so quickly. It's been very interesting to see a lot of stuff has been happening It'll be Luca and the Clippers tomorrow. I'm hoping Porzingis comes back because do you think they could actually win two in a row without Porzingis, Raphael? I uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but <clears throat> stranger things have <laughs> stranger things have happened. Like, I mean, they were down twenty with yeah. Luca on a bad foot yesterday, and they came back and won. So I don't know. I think the Clippers, all the pressures on them, all of it. And they like, did a lot of talking before the season. Well, I don't right. know if they verbally did, but just already, everybody expected. Yeah, they already What's set a record. For the worst three games. Paul George, the worst three playoff games in a row by a superstar at this level. Bob Cousy just makes me think like, why is Bob Cousy like? Man, he would get tortured in social media today with those numbers. And Rafael had stated, Laker Tom, games. Well, Laker Tom, yeah, Rafael had had stated that uh, he thinks that there's something. A miss with Paul George. Uh, that could be the reason why uh, his ineffective in the first three games. Do you see the Clippers and Paul George continuing to have the struggles that they are, or do you see them finally just saying, you know what, we're going to separate from the Mavericks and, and start getting on, on uh, back on their winning ways once again? My heart hopes the Mavericks kill them, but if I had to put money on the line, I'd put it on the Clippers. Well, there you go. I know they're still being favored in the series. And, and obviously with Kawhi there, uh, you know, playing so well, as Rafael and I had stated er, you know, before, if he's playing like that, all it takes is one other Clipper to go ahead and really take charge. Although, you know, Lou Williams played well in the last game and they still lost. So you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they have these four great players on their team and they're not all clicking at the same time. So we'll have to wait and see if they can all click at the same time. Cause if they do, then it's scary for the rest of the league, including the Lakers, if all four can click and just get you what they, what we all know that they can get you. But if they can't, or if Paul George is actually hurting, then who knows? The Mavericks may pull it out. May pull it what, out I don't want to see, what I just don't want to see is Luca take it to another level put out the Clippers and then be a threat to the Lakers. Well, yeah, that they would face probably Utah after that, which yeah. I think they can in that series. Um, it would make um, Gobert have to defend out in the perimeter. Yes. But then I also think one thing Quinn Snyder is good at is if he finds a weak link in the defense, he will attack, 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 which we mentioned yesterday. So I think they would find ways to just hunt Luka out with Donovan Mitchell. And the teams that the teams that want to switch everything 
You know, it, yeah. It's, when you got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, I don't know if I want to switch everything. Well, that's the thing. They switched out. Kawhi switched out, and, and Reggie Jackson took, and that's how the three point happened. So. Right thing, man. He switches out, and he gives up the ball. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It cost the Clippers in game four, so we'll see what happens in game five tomorrow. But we were reporting tomorrow as far as everything that's going on in the NBA playoffs going forward. Plus, obviously, as well, later on this week when the Lakers play in game five against the Blazers. Uh, and game, yeah, game five against the Lakers. So we'll go ahead and take a look and see what's going on each and every day. Go ahead, five. Tom. What? Are you on in five now? Okay. Okay, okay. Well, he's got his prediction already out. Uh, Rafi and I will go ahead and share our predictions tomorrow on, on the show that's going up tomorrow. So we'll go ahead and wait and see. But it is, once again, the Lakers coming out on top. Uh, all respects and thoughts are with Kobe on Kobe Bryant Day. Uh, he did celebrate his birthday, or what would have been his 42nd birthday yesterday. But today, there was a lot of special honors in Los Angeles for Kobe Bryant Day, and our thoughts and prayers are with him. As uh, 135 to 115 was the score, the Lakers go up 3 to 1 on the series. And if you have any questions for us, at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Well, guys, it's been great talking to you both. Cannot thank you enough for staying on a little bit extended Lakers Fast Break. I truly appreciate you guys going ahead and taking the chance to talk to me about the NBA playoffs. Looking forward to treating you all, each and every one of you out there, whether you're listening or you're watching, to more great stuff coming up this week on the Lakers Fast Break podcast.